Welcome to How to Have Fun at Work. My name is Lynn Parker, and I spent years doing something I was good at, but not having any fun. Then one of my clients told me women aren't funny. So I created Funny Women, and the rest is history. In this podcast, I talk to guests from both comedy and business. They have a lot more in common than you would ever imagine. Diversity and inclusion. DNI policies are at the forefront of today's progressive businesses and organisations. Or they should be. Given that I created Funny Women nearly 20 years ago because of the lack of visibility for women in comedy, I'd like to think we're more diverse than ever. So are we? To discuss this particular hot potato, I am joined by Justine Sless from Melbourne, Australia, and Rachel Krieger from North London. Hooray! Hello! <laughs> Uh, let me introduce my guests. First, uh, Justine, originally from Sunderland, now down under, is a humour academic. She writes, teaches, performs and produces comedy alongside working full-time in local government. She has over 20 years' experience as a community cultural development practitioner for education, the arts and the not-for-profit sector. As if that isn't enough, Justine has an MA in creative writing and her research is all about gender and comedy. She also just happens to be our producer for Australia for Funny Women. Hi, Justine. Hello. Um, now, I first came across you as the founder and creative director of the Melbourne Jewish Comedy Festival. Uh, and then a bit like your American counterpart, Robin Galinsky, We've been in touch for over 10 years and finally, this year, we're all properly working together as Funny Women Goes Global. So that's a bit of fun, isn't it, Justine? It's extraordinary. It's like a dream come true. It really is. I'm just delighted. Delighted to be on this podcast, to be the Australian producer of Funny Women. <laughs> and the email signature is sublime. Can I just say that? <laughs> well, that is, thank you very much for that, Justine. They are all the right answers. <laughs> um, and let me introduce guest number two, who's also very involved with Funny Women. Uh, Rachel Krieger is a multi-award winning stand-up comedian, writer and director. And she is the only practising Orthodox Jewish woman on the UK comedy circuit. She has worked full time in the entertainment industry since 2009. And prior to that, she worked in social care, specialising in safeguarding and education. Rachel can be heard regularly on BBC Radio and she is the co-host of chat show podcast Jew Talking to Me. She is also the resident host for the long-established London comedy club Upstairs at the Adam and Eve. Hello, Rachel. Hello, Lynn. And I'm hoping I still am the host of the Adam and Eve because <laughs> who knows after the pandemic? I'm waiting to hear, but uh, hopefully we're all coming back yes. soon. A time code here. We're we're about to come out of lockdown, so we will know very soon whether we're all back up and running. Now, Rachel, you're one of our funny women advisors, mm -hmm. and we have lots of fun working together. And you've been involved with quite a lot of our hilarious program, haven't you? I have, and I always enjoy it because it's a group of people from such different industries and coming from different places and experiences, all learning how the skills of comedy can be transferred into any area. And I fully believe whatever job you do having a sense of humor about it is going to only make things better unless you laugh at the wrong time i couldn't have written the script better myself thank you rachel thank you shall i go home now <laughs> yeah. i am at home That's you are at home we've only been at home <laughs> so now to our conversation now um i believe 
and feel free to challenge it, that true diversity transcends religion, culture, ability and age. And as I'm in the older spectrum, I feel quite strongly about the age thing. So where do the boundaries of diversity begin and end for you personally and professionally? Rachel? This is such a complex question. I feel like it needs a sort of university lecturer response after 20 years of research, which I haven't done because we got the email last week. But uh, for me personally, I think that diversity is something that only enhances a group of people because we're all bringing our different experience. And not only that, but the layers of experience that come from our upbringing and socially, personally, maybe religiously, maybe ethnically, all these different things together help us to become the person that we are at the same time we also have commonality of experience because we're all humans we've all been somebody's child we'll have all gone through some form of education whatever that might be we've probably all had to find some kind of job again whatever that might be so there's things that we have in common just by being people and then there are things that we bring which are to do with our history and that's what enriches the space that we um, the space that we occupy Well, I thought it was a brilliant answer and I deliberately went to the layman first. And uh, now let's bring in let's bring in the academic. Justine, you've done an awful lot of research into this. So uh, what does diversity mean for you? Crikey, can I not just say I concur with Rachel? You can, you can. Does she get does she get an MA? Uh, <laughs> that's my dream. Say, you know when univer- <laughs> that's my dream. You know when universities present you with an MA just for your stuff that you've said in general. I think you have to have gone to the university first though, and I never went to university, so that's never going to happen. No, Justine, talk. Tell us a little bit about your um, research. So my research is about humour as a power construct. Um, within the wider context of gender-based violence. So it it starts off, why is it so problematic for women to do live stand-up comedy in Melbourne comedy rooms? And then I take people on a first-person narrative through a comedy room and through uh, the temporal modality that is comedy. You start on one track and then it veers off and another track as if it's completely normal. So... I take people into a department store to clarify. The comedy tour, the word comedy is used as an acronym, which means call out male entitlement daily, yo. Mm. (laughs) And I take them on a comedy tour and it starts off in Melbourne in a department store where we meet a variety of academics. Uh, Judith Butler is in the haberdashery store. Uh, She's a gender, uh, gender and performance chick. So essentially... My thesis looks at why is there such hostility in comedy rooms and how does that then relate to the wider gender-based violence that we know and are continually horrified by the escalating rates of violence towards women? I think that's another whole podcast, actually, and we, we might come yes. back to this. But just for, I mean, amazing, and, and thank you for that explanation, Justine. But um, I am interested as well how that has played into the diversity agenda. And is this information getting out into the bigger wide world? I mean, I think businesses need to listen to this stuff. Would you not agree? Mm. Mm. So I think in terms of diversity, I guess what, what what was fabulous to learn through the research was that, of course, the internet has democratised the space for many of us. So we needn't 
we needn't go to those hideous places that are the brutal comedy rooms in order to create a comedic persona. And all the work that has been done before us by, you know, the legendary great John Rivers, um, you know, Sarah Silverman and so on, you know, we're really standing on their shoulders. And what we're seeing more, and particularly in Melbourne, what is great is we're seeing rooms that are set up just to represent diverse voices. And so we're seeing rooms that explicitly say that these rooms are here to represent and support not just cis white male. And what I'm seeing more and more, and I'm sure, I'm quite sure it's the same in England, is people are calling it out. So if there's a lineup of 10 white men, then we just call it out. We just go, really? And social media allows us to do that. So I can say, Justine, that I think that's what Funny Women has responded to as well. Yeah. I mean, when we first started right. out, people used to say to me, you know, why do you need a female-only comedy yeah. room? Well, you know, we'll be 20 next year and we're still doing it. So there is obviously a need for it. And I, I know I that's the same down under as well, isn't it? You're listening to How to Have Fun at Work, brought to you by Funny Women and Hilarious. Rachel, uh, you do a little bit of work for the BBC and uh, you very much have your own podcast. What's your response to this? I mean, you know, I think we communally respond to it by having a platform. Uh, but, you know, it, that's it's taken the BBC, I think, a few years to catch up on what was going on probably 10 years ago. And now suddenly it's flavour of the month. I mean, I was just thinking initially about what Justine uh, was just saying and the different comedy rooms that are being set up with the agenda of promoting diverse voices. And that's a bit of a hot topic on the comedy circuit here because we also have rooms like that, not just funny women, but lots of others. And there are people who strongly disagree with it. It's interesting because they say that comedy should be about the freedom of speech. It should be about freedom of... Uh, let me think of how I want to say this. Uh, because they say comedy should be about freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And once you start saying to people, we don't want you to use this language, we don't want you to mention this topic, we don't want you to talk about that issue, then it curtails a comedian's opportunity to maybe challenge those issues. But the truth is that none of those rooms have a problem with you challenging the behaviours. They have a problem with you using those topics to punch down at people who might be in the audience and not really like it. And also uh, it makes it an unsafe space perhaps for other acts. So that is quite a big hot potato in the industry that comes up over and over again. I just want to take this away from comedy briefly because all three of us do a certain amount in the business sector as well. And I really need to nail this because is this also the case in our larger organisations? Because my experience is that company culture is already way ahead of the game and embracing a lot of these DNI principles. Um, Justine, what's your experience down there in Australia? Cool. I, I'm just going to go with, um, with my current work situation. So the local government I work in um, has employed an LGBTIQ officer, and that's extraordinary. It's a conservative local government. And so there's lots of training on that around diversity. And also it's educative that there's just messaging all the time. We all wear rainbow lanyards. Um, and that's one of the, 
the joys of working at local government that you get a lanyard in the first place. <laughs> but um, it, it's always there. And, and I guess it, it goes back to the thing about calling it out. So at Christmas time, there was a lot of, woohoo, it's Christmas, it's Christmas. And I just wrote an email and said, do you know it's Hanukkah as well? Can we just have a little shout out for Hanukkah as well? I know we're all going on a Christmas break. So, you know, and there's a massive Indian community. So we talk about Diwali and we talk about Ramadan. You know, we've just had the festival of Ramadan. So it's kind of like there's space for everybody. Really, there is totally space for everybody. And it's about knocking down the dominant, you know, ideology, really. It's like everybody has a space. Everybody has different celebrations and ways of living and ways of being. Just there's lots of room, really. So I always believe that culture truly reflects what's going on in society. So yeah. leading question, is this being reflected in the arts generally? Because I, I would say it is. It's interesting what Rachel was saying about the comedy rooms, because comedy's right on that top cutting edge, isn't it? Top cutting edge of comment. It's the, you know, the, the unfiltered feedback isn't it to the world uh, although by the time it gets on the BBC it does have to be edited uh, and it does change so is there is there a parallel I mean I'm clutching at straws here but Rachel what do you think I was thinking about um I was thinking about my involvement with the BBC which is I'd say very minimal I suppose um for the last couple of years, I've been a regular guest on a particular show. It's the Sunny and Shay show. And they were brought in particularly to increase the diversity of voices on the radio, which is how I became involved. So I go on ostensibly as a newspaper reviewer, but ended up becoming like part of the furniture. So in pre-pandemic times, instead of coming on for like 20 minutes just to chat about my stories I've chosen from the week, I'd be on for maybe two, three hours sitting with them on their their kind of magazine show chatting about all kinds of issues things people would phone in about things that had interest us in the week latest films and music and they have done an and they have done an enormous amount to bring in people from a complete variety of backgrounds on every level and what's that and what that's meant, I think, is that, first of all, people feel represented. And I think whatever your workplace or whatever your source of entertainment, feeling like you can see and hear somebody who is like you is really important. I'd, I'd just like to also put a word in for, the, for, the, for some of the brilliant companies that we work for corporately, uh, that where they embrace that strategy. There's always a mix of... of ethnicity not just ethnicity but age religions uh, ability we haven't talked about that but you know uh, I mean I'm I'm in my 60s and the the difference between the way disabled people are treated now from when I was a child you know if you were disabled when I was growing up they would have been in special schools no one was integrated I do think the world has moved on but I also think that businesses have done an awful lot to improve the diversity on the ground. Justine, do you want to come in and comment on that? I think just going back on what Rachel said, essentially, it's, if you can see it, you can be it too. So if you see this range of diversity and you recognise something in that, you can be it. And, and I love it, yeah, toler the word tolerate. <laughs> It's a dreadful yes. word, isn't it? But such, that, but, that, such. but that 
Sorry, sorry. I was yeah. going to just say it's such a good point that Rachel made. But Thank that you. Also if I had plays... that validation growing up, I wouldn't need to become a stand-up comic. <laughs> please, let's not scratch, scratch the surface of why we became stand-up. Please, let's not go there. Um, but I think that, but, 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 but looking at that, the word tolerate or tolerant, that's the point, isn't it? It's about language. It's about the language we use and um, and all of it, you know, is subtle, it's pervasive and all the messaging we give out as well. So well, I was at a recent work thing, but the final curtain, you know, as it were, there were three white men on the stage. That was the final kind of visual. And I was like, come on, we can do better than this. We can do better than this. I think in the workplace more and more so, goodness knows, we've got a long way to go. It's so not perfect. But... You know, the pandemic has been really fabulous in many ways. Yeah, it's been a major equaliser, hasn't it? It's really democratised a lot of this. What the pandemic has done is brought everybody to a a level where here we all are on screen. We're all looking at each Mm -hmm. other. I don't know about you, but my Zooms are always very diverse. I'm I'm quite involved with a big thing locally uh, in Medway, which is the City of Culture bid. And just looking at the Zoom meetings on that, it is hugely diverse. Absolutely. So I, I don't think you and I would have really had this kind of conversation when, when I was like, well, we could just meet on Zoom, Lynn. Yeah, no, you we, know, last year. It, you know, it's just the opportunities well, are fantastic. Well, we've become literally a global organisation in a year. Yeah. You know, we, we have yeah. you know, lovely Robin, who you speak to regularly yeah. with us. If we can get the time zones together, yeah. <laughs> it, it works really well. What's up? Yeah, yeah. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? This is How to Have Fun at Work with Lynn Parker, the founder of Funny Women. To find out how to have fun in your workplace, visit www.herlarious.co.uk. I just want to refer to something that's going on culturally uh, and in terms of diversity in British advertising, global advertising. I often see things have changed. They'll often be quite extreme before they settle down. So in a lot of British television commercials, they have making a, <laughs> they made such an effort to integrate the families. Um, you can hardly watch a, a British TV ad without a family with multi-ethnicity, skin colour, uh, gay couples it's just they've really decided let's just represent everybody which is fantastic but it is notable that advertising looks completely different at the moment to how it did say five years ago Rachel what are your views on that I think it's fabulous and I find it really fascinating when people complain about it because I think when you see someone, um, when you see it on Twitter, because that's often where the complaints take place, there was, I'm just trying to remember what the recent one was, I think it was, oh my God, recent, all the time is concertinaing. Mm. I think it was, was it over Christmas or, or over Easter where they were talking about gravy? There was an advert for yes, it was um, gravy. a recipe for gravy yeah. and the horror that people stated on Twitter about the fact that this was not a white family talking about <laughs> gravy was just <laughs> astonishing. What I think it's done is it's helped us to be able to filter out people we never want to have anything to do with. <laughs> it's really, it's really, really interesting, the reaction. And I think 
you want to say to people that if your anger isn't focusing on that particular issue, it's not about the gravy, is it? It's not It's not at all about the gravy. So for a lot of people who use social media a lot, which those in the entertainment industry and those now in businesses who want to be global have to do, if you see people uh, speaking truth to power and being really effective and coming from a variety of voices, that's really interesting. That's really exciting. And it will. And if you're one of those organisations or one of those people, then you're going to reach the people who you're interested in connecting with. But also it enables you to see who are the people that you really want to disconnect from. And if you want to take up arms against those people, then you have a lovely opportunity to do that directly. So back in the day, you know, if somebody wanted to object towards let's say a television program or an advert they'd have to write a strongly worded letter to have it published in the paper and then we would sit at home maybe read that letter and then get a bit annoyed over our toast and cup of tea and discuss it about the family and if you really felt strongly maybe you'd write a letter back that's all a very slow process and now someone posts something online you can immediately jump in and have your comments yeah another area actually that's quite interesting around that is which you mentioned earlier is disability because audiences can somehow become quite angry about people with disabilities being given equal opportunities. And we've seen that in some of the programmes that have come out recently. And I agree with what you said earlier about the pandemic having been a great equaliser, because what we found out is that all those places, you know, the TV programmes, the radio shows, but also ordinary workplaces who've said it would be difficult for us to have someone with particular disabilities working for us or with us because they'd have to do it from home or they'd have to do it online. They might only be able to come into the office once every so often, or if they do come in, we'd have to arrange a particular kind of chair or access for them. We've suddenly found actually it's all entirely possible (laughs) for everyone to do everything and it doesn't take a lot of support to make that happen. So given all of this changing landscape and I do think to echo what you we've all said the pandemic has been that amazing place where we can all be what we are Uh, I personally found it really interesting to spread my net as an older woman I've always felt very hindered by that that the workplace is very much aimed at younger women. Uh, the only downside of all that is they're all, they, you know, there's this always images of glamorous younger women representing any of us in the workplace. And I think now they're very careful to put an older woman, a black woman, an Asian woman, and possibly a gay woman. Not, not how how can you tell? But there you go. Um, in their sort of visuals and their marketing. So I think a lot of us have come out of it with feeling that we are more. Uh, valid um, we can express ourselves so I want to go back to the cultural world that we inhabit because festivals in particular and I'm going to cite the Edinburgh Fringe because that is something I think we've I think we've all had experience of being at Edinburgh it is one of the biggest cultural melting pots that you could possibly find Uh, it is the largest arts festival in the world and you do actually have everything represented Justine you have run the Jewish Comedy Festival. So are there there reasons why you did that rather than have it as a sort of part of a bigger cultural festival? Uh, I guess the thing is we've got the Melbourne International Comedy Festival here, which I think is the third largest comedy festival in the earth, but certainly the highest grossing ticket festival in Australia. And I've done it for about a decade 
and I was kind of done with it. I was done, I was done with the commercialization of it, and and it's expensive and it's competitive. I was kind of done with it, and I really created the Melbourne Jewish Comedy Festival in the way that I would like to take part in a festival. So there was no registration fee. Everybody got paid the same. There were um, uh, uh, shows ran separately. There were no, you know, uh, you could go to every single show in the festival. So um, I did it in a way that I wanted to create a festival. Calling it the Melbourne Jewish Comedy Festival, well, yeah, I, 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 you know, on reflection, should I have called it something else? I don't know, but I guess it was weirdly the first time it had been done in Melbourne. Um, I, and I know it's weird, like, thinking about Jews and comedy, like who knew a Jewish comedy festival would be a thing, right? Um, look, I ran it for four years. It was it was successful. I stopped running it for lots of reasons, and one of the reasons was because for me the lens was too narrow. Yeah. Let me let me bring that back to Rachel, who obviously has her podcast, which is all about being Jewish. So, and you've done you've done the Edinburgh Fringe for I can't remember how many years, a long time, very uh, long time. Yeah, and and specifically uh, being very open about your orthodoxy and and use that as your platform culturally i mean the the podcast came about really because during the edinburgh fringe every year um philip simon who's another comedian and also we are comedy partners we write together and we work together a lot and we'd had many discussions late at night a bit it sounds a bit similar to really your thought process justine actually that we would sort of sit in our accommodation in edinburgh and say you know could we not do something else? It'd be nice to do some kind of chat show. It'd be nice to be able to maybe show people that there are lots of different kinds of Jewish voices. He's from a reform background, whereas I'm Orthodox. So we have things we have in common and things that are very different. And one thing that we both agree on is that no two Jews are the same. And we knew so many, and we knew so many Jewish people from across the entertainment industry and the wider world. We thought there must be a space for that, but nothing ever really came of it until the pandemic and lockdown. And we suddenly thought, well, now everybody's at home. Maybe this is a great chance to have people hear from all those different voices and find out that Jews can be of very different backgrounds and very different cultural experiences and be working in very different sectors of the industry and our community. And so that's been quite exciting because we've had comedians, but we've also had politicians, we've had writers, we've had directors, we've had people from so many different walks of life and there's areas that we agree on, but there's a lot of areas we disagree on, mainly whether you pronounce it bagel or bagel or how you make chicken soup. <laughs> so it's not a deep and meaningful thing, but it's it's an interesting thing. I think that sits alongside so many other things that we have to deal with as women. It's not just religion. You know, when you have kids, there are things you can't do because you've got to stay home and babysit them. And I have a male colleague at the moment who has two very small children and it's so interesting because he he will keep saying, I can't do those meetings because I'm looking after the kids. I completely get it. Yeah. I'm more, you know, I, I think it's more, we are much more accepting these days of the cultural, physical, 
um, family boundaries that are imposed on us. And it, that's what diversity means to me. I think it isn't just about, I know we we focus, I have two Jewish guests, so we, we talk very specifically about that. Um, and, you know, hand up, I'm married to a Jew and, you know, we have to, we've moved in that multicultural environment and we are aware of all the different holidays and we're not religious, but we observe things culturally. And it's, the, the other thing about it is it's brilliant and lovely and, and fun as well. It's, it's enrich, it's life enriching to understand about other cultures. So, so you, you said about the um, babysitting and childcare issues. And I think, um, and I think that's a really interesting element of this experience that we've all been through that first of all, we've all been at home. So in terms of our cultural practices, whatever they might be, it, we've had a chance to experience them in a very different way because we haven't all been rushing about to get here, there and everywhere. And it's kind of the same with childcare is that those of us who have jobs where we travel a lot or where we're maybe in an office a lot and come home late or have to leave early, we haven't had that aspect of our lives. And I've heard a lot of conversations from people from all kinds of industries and all walks of life about how challenging it is now that lockdown's easing to think about maybe having to travel again or maybe going back to that office routine when we've had this special time with family. So those who have children or who have dependents living with them, for some, I guess it's been a lot harder, but for other people, they've had a chance to realise what they were perhaps missing. Yeah about a life balance justine final comment from yeah. from you on this uh what yeah. does diversity mean to you as a woman a parent a, a british person in australia <laughs> there is so much you could talk about i think the more that we can see it what rachel was saying earlier you know if we can see it we can be it but that's it so mm. if we can see ourselves represented and our children could see themselves represented and their friends can see themselves represented then they can be that they can be kamala harris yes you know yes it takes they the barriers can, down yes it yeah. takes the barriers down and diversity essentially is about acceptance and acknowledgement of difference really fantastic i we have to go but before we leave you uh can i'd love you just to give our audience your top tip about how to have fun at work because that's what this podcast is about we've been quite serious today so let's lighten the lighten the mood before we depart rachel so my top tip comes really from my experience as a comedy mc like a, a compare and also an event compare and it's this be present in the moment if you want to have fun at work, you've got to be present in the moment. You've got to look at what's happening. As a compare, you're looking around the room constantly for something to talk about, something to engage everybody with. So perhaps something a person says, something that happens at the other side of the bar, what the room looks like. There's always something to ignite a conversation and bring everybody together. So to have fun at work, look for the opportunities to connect with people and to find humour in that moment. Brilliant. A bit like this podcast, because I had a completely different set of questions. So I was in the moment. <laughs> Justine, final tip from you. In your workplace, always see the light. Always see the light and talk talk it out. Talk it out and celebrate as much as you possibly can. Really. That's a great one. So a uh, brilliant conversation. Uh, we could have gone on for another hour, <laughs> but, but we won't. Um, so where can we find you first, Rachel? 
Well, you can find me on my podcast with Philip Simon called Jew Talking to Me, where we chat with people from every possible Jewish background about Jewishness in modern society and how it impacts on them. And also, I'm coming out of lockdown with three shows with one that was the one that never happened because of the pandemic or rather it was my previous edinburgh show where the tour never happened because of the pandemic um one that i'd written to be my next edinburgh show but it never happened because of the pandemic and one that i've created during it so they are hineni pray it forward and ask your jewish mother already so uh, hopefully you'll be able to see some of those but the easiest place to find me is my website www.rachelkrieger.com or online at rachkrieger and lots of you're on Twitter, Insta, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Facebook. I'm very findable, but find me to say nice things. Yes, yes. And Justine, where can we find you, and what are you up to? Yeah, you can find me at justinesless.com. You can watch me every Tuesday and Thursday on Instagram. I'm the co-host of Sless to Harsell, an irreverent take on books and writing. That's at Sless to Harsell on IGTV. You can find me at Fresh with Sless, which is my illustrated recipe book. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Justine Sless. And if you're in Melbourne, my new show, Unbridled, opens on the 31st of may runs to the 6th of 5th of june thereabouts look it up uh that's at the butterfly club and you can always find me being pretty irreverent at work (laughs) justine rachel thank you so much for being my guests we really um i think we did diversity proud (laughs) thank you thank you bye thank you for having us bye You've been listening to How to Have Fun at Work with Lynn Parker. If you like us, please subscribe, review and share. Chicken, 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 chicken.